Welcome to Patriots Nation UK, brought to you by me, your host, Matt Inkstar. Hey guys, how's it going? And welcome to another episode of Patriots Nation UK. We are fast approaching 40 episodes, which will then become 50 and beyond. So I want to thank you on behalf of myself and Nick for all the continued support so far. And just remember, folks, to keep listening, keep rate, review and subscribing. Tell your friends, tell whoever um, is Patriots fans or NFL fans in general that want to get involved. Um, For this episode, you might want to pass on info um, of the episode to your Bengals fans because this weekend we have the Cincinnati Bengals and I am joined by Paul, who is one of the main founders of Bengals UK. Um, So I'm not going to say too much apart from that for now and let's get into it so joining me at this time um ahead of this weekend's game against the cincinnati bengals i have paul who helps run and basically is um the podcast for um at hoodie underscore uk the cincinnati podcast how's it going paul uh hello matthew it's going good thank you thanks for having me on yeah, you're very welcome, sir. Um, so, uh, as I say, at Hooday underscore UK is the Twitter handle. Cincinnati is the podcast. Um, so how did that come about? Um, did you just decide one day that's a thing you wanted to do, or was it... You know... uh, the, the podcast, specifically? Yes. Yeah, well, um, I, I'm a journalist in my sort of day job, and... Um, I hate to use the C word, um, but sort of content maker producer as well. And I started making podcaster, I don't know, maybe three years ago or something like that. And, um, you know, the, the whole Bengals UK thing was going quite well and, and we were picking up quite a lot of followers. Uh, but I kind of thought because I, I really enjoyed making podcasts for the people that I was working for. And I thought, well let's let's try one for a little fan group and see how that goes and it's gone down fantastically well i totally underestimated i mean i think probably like most nfl teams you're pretty well served and we're pretty well served by the u.s media right you've got the locked on network for instance you've got the guys on the athletic you've got the beat writers of the local newspapers and you've got the actual official website as well pumping out content so we're actually really really well served i think for for interviews and podcasts and articles and whatever it might be um but what i thought we would try and do was do something a little bit different and have a bit of a laugh with it and try and get guests on from the states which we've managed to do we've been doing it for about two years now we've managed to get players on we had the head coach zach taylor on for our 50th episode uh, back in the summer um and american fans love it because we keep it as british as we can do you know what i mean we we've got a very different yeah. kind of british flavor you know two guys two mates sitting around having a few beers talking nonsense the conversation frequently veers off into tangents uh, and we just have a bit of a laugh with it really and it's gone down really really well and i totally underestimated the the concept of having uh, something that British fans can call their own. It's all very well saying that, 
you know, the American media that we get is all fantastic. But uh, the podcast has become a bit of a flagpole around which Bengals fans in the UK kind of gather around, really. And that they this is the feedback. This is not me sort of blowing our own trumpet, but <laughs> some of the feedback that I've been getting. Uh, they really appreciate the fact that they, they've got something of their own. They've got something where they can tweet into and, and send messages and they will be read out. You know, it's it's all about participation. Uh, and yeah, it's it, I, I totally underestimate that, but that seems to be why it's been so popular, really. And yeah, it's fantastic fun to do as well. It's a real laugh. It does sound fantastic. And I'm, I must admit that I am slightly jealous. That, But I guess because... Patriots Nation UK is in the infancy of it, but I just started it off in the summer. Um, my intention was always to have my co-host Nick on board because we, we're local to each other. We've been mates for about 10 years now. We're both obviously Patriots fans. And um, I just started off and he was really busy with work over summer and just it just kicked cool. on. And, um, you know, he, came, he became involved more um, just as the off season was finishing the preseason games and getting into the first weeks of the season and um yeah you're right enough it's uh, it was almost my thing thinking behind it I, mean, I think I was about two years before I finally bit the bullet and just got mm-hmm. thought sod it we're we're gonna go for it and do it and yeah it's we're the same basically we just I think it's you can't be us without being British, if that makes sense. It's just a yeah, completely I, different yeah, I know of a podcast. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's fun, and I think actually a lot of Americans enjoy listening to the podcast because it is it does have a different flavour from what they're used to. I mean, they're they're frequently having to Google, you know, British phrases and you know that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so you know, yeah, you're right. Anybody can do it now, which is great, and it's such a great tool to build a community and to keep everyone everyone involved. And and for me, that's why I do Bengals UK. That's why it was started up in the first place. It was genuinely to build uh, the fan community over here, because obviously you know the Bengals are a small market uh, team. Um, so we're probably punching above our weight a little bit, but we're now the sixth most followed NFL, you know, the sort of UK NFL group on social media. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a really fun couple of years and obviously been helped by the fact that the team have been over for a few, like twice in three years. So that's kind of helped but really you know i think we've done a lot of things right and we do a lot of meetups i say a lot but we do like two or three meetups a year we uh do little stunt things like we brewed our own beer this year and uh, <laughs> you know things like that it's just fun it's just really really good fun and through this and through meetups and the whole kind of social media thing you know, you you make really good friends out of it, and uh, no matter what your political persuasion and or you know what you're into outside of uh, the NFL, um, if you're a Bengals fan, then you know you're more likely to make friends with with us than not. So yeah, it's been really really fun. Yeah, it's um, similar but again. So what you say is just uh, it just reiterates exactly what goes through my head a lot of the time, and mm. as you say it. Well, we're in a political storm as it is right now, aren't we? We're just hours away from the the polls opening, and 
um, a potential new prime minister being um, announced. And, you know, you if you follow soccer like I do, then, you know, you've got your team. But that kind of allegiance is forgotten about for three hours on a Sunday evening when you're all Patriots fans as one, or in your case, you're all Bengals fans. And it is, it's something that can bring people together, really. Um, and I saw that, I was going to ask about it, was I kind of followed as much as I could over the weekend when you mm. you played the Rams and, you know, the the, the pub just looked heaving, basically. And it, it all seemed to stem around you guys, which was I thought was brilliant. You seemed to have... Correct well, me if I'm wrong, but it looked like you had your own little podium, like your yeah, little podium I mean, thing and all the rest of it, and a bit of a hosting sort of thing, and a live podcast and all the rest of it. Yes. It looked great. Uh, we, I mean, we we were, three years ago, we had no idea what to expect, and uh, we got in touch with the Bengals, and, um, uh, you know, we were kind of quite a new group at that stage, and... Um, the whole Wembley weekend, you know, the game against the Redskins three years ago, really kind of made us a lot more visible. And we did a really good job of capitalising on the extra exposure. So suddenly there was a bunch of us on, you know, Cincinnati radio stations and in newspapers and all the rest of it. So that was great for exposure. But we didn't really know what to expect in terms of uh, how the weekend would play out, really. Um and the Bengals kept sort of lots of things close to their chest. So even though we kind of said we'd love to be involved, uh, they didn't really let us know what they were doing. I, I've got a sneaky suspicion that they didn't really know themselves, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know what it's like. Each team gets a pub allotted to them by NFL UK uh, and they've got a deal with Fuller's Breweries. So these are Fuller's pub so there's one just south of the river um on borough high street and there's one just north of the river just off trafalgar square and we got we got the one off trafalgar square and um so really it was a bit sucking and see both for the bengals and uh, for us really but i think because we've we've nurtured and established and strengthened our relationship with the club even though we're an, an official fan group you know they can they know that we can be trusted not to be idiots basically you know we're kind of we do things properly and we're professional and courteous and respectful you know etc etc um they were quite happy for us to have a little as you mentioned a like a little kind of meet and greet table with their own uh, uh kind of fan group banner up which was really cool of them on the thursday night when the pub was kind of it was kind of the night before you know the calm before the storm really uh we recorded a podcast and that's all because we knew what things were going to be like um so we knew that thursday was going to be quieter friday was going to be a big busy day saturday was going to be a big busy day sunday obviously the game so thursday would be the the night for all our kind of bits and pieces so again it was just using the experience of three years ago and the Bengals letting us be a little bit more involved. Um, you know, I was I was very uh, uh, lucky to be asked to go on the official Bengals radio network radio show, you know, on the Friday night. Um, so, you know, again, it, it comes from uh, establishing relationship with the club and uh, an experience from the last time. 
and it all worked out really really well and again we got a nice jump in in kind of exposure and and, and followers and uh, you know it was just great to see the whole pub completely uh, rammed both nights really um it was it still staggers me because i genuinely i kind of thought that w- would the pub be um as busy as last time because a the bengals are terrible this year and mm-hmm. b you know a lot of the american people would have had to pay to come over twice in three years which is you know the first time it's almost like a vir- like a virgin touch for the very first time you want to come over for the yeah. first time to experience london and it's the trip of a lifetime and you spend like 1500 two grand and um and then it's like oh they're doing it again in two years time you know it doesn't quite have the same appeal right but i have to say there was loads of american people there and um yeah i shouldn't have worried really um so you know i can't take too much credit for that because they were you know that's a place where everyone would gather uh, anyway naturally because it is the Bengals pub but what we did do a good job of because like the first uh, first time three years ago there was the option of hosting our own party which I know some fan groups do when their teams come over but we kind of thought well why would you go to a little fan groups party where you would probably have to pay 10 to 20 pounds to get into when you can just go to a Bengals themed pub for free and there's going to be loads of people there. Why would you put yourself through that kind of stress and, uh, and kind of, you know, think you could do a better job than that. So we took the decision three years ago that we would just use the, the Admiralty as not just a base of the Bengals, but just our base as well. And we did that again and it, it just worked perfectly. So yeah, it was great fun, really good fun. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds like the way to go really with it. And <clears throat> excuse me, and touching and you know the game itself, mm. it, it it lived up to. So I I know a, a lot of people seen it as like a dead rubber game. The Rams were gonna walk all over you. Um, but it was kind of interesting up until what midway through the fourth quarter, I think it was for for yeah. me anyway. Sitting yeah. back and watching it as a neutral. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but. Um, as the season overall, um, what were your expectations going into the season and how have they changed as the season's gone on? <laughs> oh, blimey. Um, well, as you know, uh, Marvin Lewis was consciously uncoupled by the Bengals um, after 16 years in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, he was he was a popular man, but he wasn't he was getting to the stage where he wasn't a popular coach, if you see what I mean. Um, he had done a good job, I think, and I think history will look back and say that he did a pretty good job in Cincinnati, regardless of, you know, those first round playoff losses and all the rest of it. But, you know, actually getting to the playoffs is, you know, especially five years in a row. I know that's a given for the Patriots, but for something, for a team like Cincinnati, that really isn't. And I think uh, he did do a good job and getting to the playoffs five years in a row, that, takes and doing i think but i think everyone you know the vast majority understood that it had come to a point where we needed a fresh outlook uh, some more a different energy about the place um so when they got uh, this young guy 
Zach Taylor in from the Rams. I think we were all really excited, but also cautiously optimistic because obviously he hadn't played. So he hadn't called plays before. Um, and he hadn't had any experience of, as a head coach, you know, so his actual coaching play calling experience is pretty limited. So even though we were excited, I think we were cautiously optimistic and a lot of the national media were kind of tipping, tipping us as per usual to kind of be bottom of the, the pile. And we just, we just thought, you know what, we've got talent on this team. We need a new direction. We knew need a new fresh offensive mind. Um, but you know, it could have gone various ways. You know, he could have come in, implemented a new system, shaken the, the club by the by the scruff of the neck, and you know, dragged it out of three consecutive losing seasons and back into that playoff hunt, which a lot of us believed would happen naively. But um, and then you've got the other uh, ver- the other kind of. Uh, outcome possible outcome which was as the national media said he you know is a young coach with no experience uh, a lot of the new coordinators and coaching staff they were first time uh, coordinators as well so he had inexperience throughout the coaching team uh we're already a bad team so how is this going to make this guy going to make them better uh they're going to finish bottom of the pile which was also a possible outcome. Um, unfortunately, it went that way. Um, great start in Seattle. Played really well up in Seattle. Really should have won that game. And you kind of thought, right, okay, this is exciting. You know, he's actually making use of our our skill players. And uh, and then it was a San Francisco game. I think the week after, and we got absolutely battered. And it just kind of fell off a cliff after that. Really, injuries had loads and loads of injuries. Um, again, the club's very conservative approach to roster management was coming back to bite us on the behind. Um, there was a bit of dissension in the camp and you were seeing a coaching staff, uh, that had no real time to evaluate the roster and put together something new. Uh, kind of start to really suffer and you saw all their mistakes as rookie coaches we've seen that in so many games this year some head scratching play calls so if you kind of you know mix everything together it was like a perfect storm of awfulness really Um, so yeah expectations started relatively but cautiously high uh, but they they soon fell off a cliff. Really, <laughs> it's been it has been absolutely dreadful. Yeah, it's in in the division you're in. I don't think it helps when the Browns were tipped for Super Bowl greatness this year. The, uh-huh. the Ravens were someone who were stick on for the the playoffs, providing Jackson actually you know played better than he did. In, last year although you know he was obviously a, obviously well, that a good was runner but question, was he wasn't it about Lamar it was whether yeah. he could whether he could settle down and actually pass the ball well and yeah. whether he could physically sustain that kind of style that he has and goodness me I mean fair play to him and fair play to the Ravens they've 
I mean, they've they've not only done that, but he's gone on to completely new, ridiculous levels, really. I mean, Mm. it wasn't just us that he humiliated. It's been, well, I mean, he hit you guys, Seattle, you know, lots of really, really good teams. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we take great comfort that from the Browns uh, not being as good as everyone said they were. (laughs) That's, That's our kind of sole comfort this year, I think. Yeah, Jackson's not quite the the fancy running back that can throw that people thought he was. I, I'm still not convinced that personally that you know it's sustainable over the course of a long career of ten, twelve, fifteen years, whatever you might think. You know, yeah, who knows? An average sort of quarterback. I do actually enjoy watching him. I mean, and the Ravens, and I never thought I'd say that about a Ravens offense, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but goodness me, he's exciting to watch. He really is. Um, but again, as you say, whether he can sustain that over a decade, for instance, that's going to be really tough. And people and and coordinators and coaches will find a way to stop his style. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think. Um, <laughs> it'll happen eventually I think and it's just whether he can then evolve again is what you want from all good quarterbacks um, make what you will of Andy Dalton but it, on the worst level he's been consistent his whole career and that's yeah, why you, you know, know get the dog. you know what you yeah mean. exactly the around the NFL podcast use the, the Dalton scale it's one of my favourite podcasts of the year actually mm. especially in the off season and it's there for a reason whether he's back at maybe he drops back to 20th best in the league or yeah. he's up there at 12th best in the league they've always used the the Dalton sky I think that's about four years now they've been yeah yeah doing that that episode of the podcast and I wonder uh, I want to get your thoughts on what do you think made them choose Zach Taylor to be their head coach um do you think it was the McVeigh thing that done it or? yeah undoubtedly I think there was there was obviously uh the McVeigh connection and um obviously he was the hottest coach in football last year um but apparently but and by all accounts he absolutely nailed the interview he absolutely blew them away with his vision his clarity his energy his his kind of manner he just blew them away and it was a no-brainer apparently so you know and when you see him in press conferences the one thing that well one of the things that you're really impressed by is his energy throughout this whole terrible season he's remained upbeat and positive and um kind of but also phlegmatic as well you know he's he knows what's going on but he's 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 done a good job in keeping the players on side because in a season like this you know you wouldn't know, but um, in a season <laughs> like this, um, you know, it, it's it's very easy to lose the players, lose the dressing room, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. he's done a really good job of keeping the players focused and on track and positive and together. And that's what you really do get. The players are actually really, really together and they're kind of, uh they're not fragmented they're not blaming each other they're not throwing their toys out of their pram there so a lot of credit goes to him and i think it's that kind of energy and positivity that the the front office saw when they interviewed him you know mm. and 
I think I, I think that comes across really well that he is that type of person that's he's keeping the group together. It's not what you seem to be seeing in Cleveland. It's not what um, although the Miami sort of are tempering expectations a little bit of where the the tanking mm. for Tua was going from. One of my friends, it's hilarious. He's a um, Dolphins fan and he is furious that he's like they can't even tank properly because now they're going to well, end up with the fourth or fifth Well it's not only the Dolphins fans, I'm afraid it's the Bengals fans as well. We're, and I mean, that's what I was just about to ask is where your thoughts are on But it's I oh. hate the idea of tanking, it goes against the very nature of yeah, exactly. uh, my views on sport and what why sports should be played and all the rest of it. And really tanking, I've argued on the podcast, is a concept that has been designed by fans, really. It doesn't exist in front offices or or with players. Because if you go out, because players do have professional pride, and if you go out half cock and play it, you know, not 100%, you're going to get killed, you know, mm. metaphorically and yeah. figuratively. Um, so I think it's a fan fan driven concept, and I absolutely hate it. I get the fact that they're you know if you're having a tough season, you you want quick fixes, you want a way out, and auto- naturally your attention turns to the draft, and and then suddenly it becomes a the season becomes a different thing entirely. You start wanting to lose games because you want don't want to lose that number one pick, so. Instead of challenging for the playoffs, you're now in a different challenge, and I just don't like it at all. So I, I tend to stay out of it. A lot of Bengals fans are going to be mad as hell if they lose the number one pick because they see that as the real kind of way to reboot this team, get Joe Burrow, and um, and start from there. Now, if we do end up as number one pick, then with the number one pick, sorry, um, then yes, of course, you, I think you, you'd be daft not to pick a quarterback, really. Um, but yeah, I hate the uh, the idea and the concept of tanking, but I would say I'm in the minority. I think I'd say about 60 to 70% of Bengals fans are on board with this popularist kind of mob tanking mentality, you know, you know, kind of walking through the streets with pitchforks and, <laughs> and and kind of flaming torches, you know, and I I'm just not into it at all really. I just we get the NFL for such a short amount of time. The NFL season what is 3 months out of the year or 4 months if you're a Patriots fan. Um and you know, I just want to concentrate on that. There's a time and a place for draft chat and you know we've got nine months from february onwards or you know early january for us um nine more months to wait until the start of the season next season so i'm fully invested in the nfl season when it happens and then i get into the draft after the season finishes yeah i think you have to um it's kind of my perspective as well as a lot of the between February and April I'm not a big fan of in terms of mock drafts and things but I'll, I'll come back to that just mm. um, in a little while but I, was, uh, I think we'll get into the game now yes. um, if you don't mind Paul and do you see generally speaking before we dig in a bit deeper do you see any sort of positivity coming out of this weekend in terms of coming away with a W and making it a second win of the season? 
Uh, I must be mad, but I'm going to say yes. Um, if you'd have asked me three, four weeks ago, I would have said, look, I'm not even going to watch this game because it's going to be a horror show. Um, you will absolutely spank us. Um, I mean, realistically, I think you will win still, but I think we have a chance, and that's just not... That's not being me, me being kind of rose-tinted glasses or whatever, but, you know, you guys aren't playing well. Your offensive line is beaten up. You're not running the ball well. You don't have any outside targets. Gronk's not there anymore, so the fear factor's gone. Brady's not playing well. Um, I think there's a chance to really limit you guys on offense. I really do. Where we will struggle, I think, is moving the ball against your defense. You've got a really really good defense and the secondary especially um and you know bear in mind aj green's been out for 12 weeks um john ross is limited in practice today i think uh tyler board's bit tyler boyd's been really good all year pretty much but he's kind of more or less on his own Auden tate this this kind of who we picked in the seventh round last year the six foot five monster of a man who leaps kind of salmon-like and plucks the ball out of the air. And just basically every catch he makes is a, is a highlight reel catch, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's now on IR. So our, our receiving core is very limited indeed. And, um, I don't think you'll have too much prob- problem, uh, stopping, uh, passing game. Um, where we might prosper is Joe Mixon. Um, he's like the team. He's had a quite an uh, average season, shall we say. And he struggled <laughs> along with the rest of the, the team up until about three weeks ago. And they made a change in blocking scheme, uh, which has really benefited him. And uh, last three weeks, he's played terrific. He, um, so I think I worry about how we're going to move the ball against your defense, but I think we we will pose a threat on our defensive side of the ball because again we were playing so badly, like historically badly, letting up sort of almost 500 yards of total offense a game earlier on in the season. But in the past three weeks, things seem to have clicked and we're playing much much better. We we're getting much more pressure on the quarterback. Our linebacking play has improved. Secondary is playing well. I, so, you know, there's hope. There is hope. But, I, I mean, realistically, uh, I still think you guys will win. I can't really disagree with my, much of what you just said there, um, really. I think you've kind of almost pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, Mixon is coming into a game of his own these past few weeks, as you say, and that would be my main concern because he was dog shit, really, um, the first half of the season. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's going to come into his own now, and that's what you were looking for the first half of the season from him. And it might have actually improved your your season of... You know, he was there and doing what he's supposed well, to do. Well, I, I but... think uh, we had a bad... Listen, I could talk to you all day about our offensive lines. <laughs> one of the worst. Oh, uh, yeah. But Cordy Glenn returned at left guard. Uh, sorry, left tackle. And that made a big difference. Uh, there's been so much chopping and changing. You know, honestly, a lot through injury, but also 
because they seem to like chopping and changing, which, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for an offensive line is not the way to go. But yeah. they seem to have settled on a starting lineup. They tweaked the scheme because they just weren't getting. Uh, they just weren't opening any lanes. They just weren't good enough to open any lanes or win any kind of physical, personal battles up front. But now, as I say, they've tweaked the scheme. Mixon seems a lot more comfortable with it, and he's really attacking the holes like he did last year. Um, and he's it, unbelievably, he's on course for another thousand yard season. Which you know, if you'd have asked us like week six or seven, <laughs> yeah, after in your face. But the trouble with with, um, sorry, Matthew, to interrupt, but I just want to say, no. um, because our wide receiving core is so depleted now, um. And Belichick is the master at taking away, you know, a, a, an opponent's key weapon and, and, and neutralising that, that weapon. Um, if they can stop mixing, then it's game over, I think, this week. Yeah, unfortunately, as you say, for yourselves, um, uh, I've actually quite enjoyed um, Tate this year um, from an actual perspective of watching him and... I picked him up in a couple of teams in fantasy for a few weeks, and he did, he done me quite well um, for a little bit. So that was mm. um, also pleasing. Um, but it would be remiss of a, myself to have you on and not talk about what the news has been um, since the weekend. And yes, we are scheduled to get a fifty burger plus because of all this so-called. Videoing and cheating and so such like that's been going well, on. Well, I think I mean the what the, what is your actual take on it really? Well, first of all, initially you kind of think, what on earth are they doing that for the Bengals for? You know, we're we're absolutely shit. You know, there's no point. There's no need to video us. Just look at the tape and, you know, I look. It sounds dodgy, doesn't it? Really, I know they've got a cast iron excuse saying that they, you know, they were recording it for a kind of i don't know online homepage video show or whatever but that seems to you know this you know there's eight minutes worth of kind of very specific kind of footage boil accounts and um and just quite brazen about it as well just wandering into the press box with a bloody bruins top on and um and videoing it in front of bengal's media and and staff you know um i don't think they asked the bengals permission to do that they didn't ask the nfl i mean just it's i mean it sounds dodgy doesn't it really and the more you look into it i actually joke about the fact that uh you know why record the bengals um it's because they have an entirely new staff Mm. Uh, yeah it's i can see both sides of it i can see that from an outside perspective looking in that it looks really bad and um you know why would you do such a thing and at the same time i can see that it probably it, i mean this is uh, trying to take a patriot's hat off yes. here obviously is is um you know i can see that from the point of view of maybe if you're the producer director the filmographer that you want some of these like cool sort of 
shot of coaches and such like and this is what the guy is scouting you and all the rest of it accreditation you get the proper permission from both the both the team oh, yeah why didn't they, why do you put yourself in that situation yeah. of you know you didn't check with the bengals you didn't check with the league you might have got permission of the people to be in the stadium from the browns but you know check with all parties it's it's like going I and mean, it's not but i'm kind of going along a sort of hypothetical situation of you know if you are um at your kid's school nativity play in the next few weeks you are these days you pretty much need consent of every single person sitting in that room whether it's a teacher a parent of every child or a guardian or whatever before you get that camera phone out and do some filming it's not as though you've checked with a teacher you've checked with your own kid and then suddenly you've got you know but Mr. Do, Smith I mean, tapping I, I, you on I the get, shoulder and saying, why are you filming comparison. my kid? I get that comparison, but I mean, this is the NFL and, um, you know, you they don't know, put yourself in that situation, full stop, really. They they know about accreditation. They know how it works. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. It just seems dodgy to me. But, uh, but again, you know. It's not that much to learn, really. But, you know, that's what they've always done, the Patriots, really. They have pushed the boundaries. They have occasionally overstepped. Um, they do push the boundaries. Uh, and, you know, they try and squeeze out every piece of advantage that they can, you know. And, frankly, why not, you know. Uh, but it's when, obviously, when they overstep the the mark and that that boundary then it becomes a problem and i think they might have just done it again so it'll be interesting to see what the nfl does about it actually Mm, it's um the last i I heard i've not seen much more on it today because i've been quite busy but last i heard i think um rapaport put out a tweet for they'd had um someone one of their shows in the nfl now channel Mm. that they have have come out and gone well the league's not really actually going to do that much because that's it's kind of cast iron excuse or reasoning as to why they've done what yeah, they've done although they might just get you know some sort of fine or slap in yeah. the wrist that's... it won't be like a draft pick again uh, but you know they've, they've kind of covered the bases quite nicely i think they've got a nice excuse because this program does exist right so yeah it's, uh, a, it's quite a good series actually if you yeah if, oh, if, sure, if you yeah. take uh, the the Patriots out of it. It's quite interesting from our point of view to get a, a dig in of what the actual mm. various parts of the organisation are you know, actually they use, do. Why don't they use some stock footage of Zach Taylor on the sideline? And, you know, all these questions and why mm. don't they get accreditation or permission from the Bengals and, and the fact that they're playing the Bengals the following week, that, you know, everything kind of looks bad, really. Um, yeah. It's but a murky situation. It is murky. It is murky. Um, but back to the game itself. And um, what do you think might be, if I was to nail you down and ask for a score prediction, what do you think it could possibly be, bearing in mind the, the, the woes of maybe both sides as it is going into this weekend's game? Uh, well, we're absolutely terrible at scoring more than two touchdowns. Um and that might be more difficult with your defence this year, this this year, this week. Sorry, um, I'm going to go for a Pats, Pat, uh, Pats win. I'm going to go 24-17. Uh, I think. 
2417. I mean, again, if you'd have asked me this question, you know, I don't know, a month ago, I would have said 4217. <laughs> we, we were that bad. You know, we were that, I'm not kidding, we were that bad. Even though we, we kind of made games close-ish uh, in terms of score, actually on the field, we were miles apart from quite a few of the teams that we played. Um, but we have got better. There has been some progress. Um, it's been a slow torturous road but there has been progress and in certainly in patches against the the browns uh, last week we looked like a quite a decent team uh, we're not very good in the red zone we're one of the worst um but you know we as i say progress we've gone from say like last in the league in rushing to now ninth in the league over the past i don't know four weeks maybe don't quote me on that but it's in in the past several weeks so we beat the jets who you know have had the league's number one rushing defense and we played really well against them and we look good in patches against cleveland again so i'm I'm just hoping that we it'd be great if we could go toe-to-toe with the pats for long periods of the game put it that way I, i think most Bengals fans would take that as weird as that sound, we're just we're just aching for a bit of consistency and some competitive games, really. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm going to go for 24-17. No, I'm just um, checking there, and that's covering the spread because it's currently sitting at eight and a half points. Okay. Um. So yeah, I w- I would take that. I think I think it, you might not be that far off, really, because we were. Um, discussing it myself and Nick on our review of the, the Chiefs mm-hmm. game um the other day that if we are it was you know nine points like three field goals we're we're good enough at the moment with what we've got on offense to to squirm that much out of it but not that much more and I think this is one of the games that we said well I said this against last week for the Chiefs game and mm-hmm. and the Texans that are as you said earlier our running game isn't really there just now michelle's not doing much james white is more like a receiver than a a pass catching back he might have to just he pulled off a chunk play as pretty much a a traditional running back at the weekend against the chiefs um i'd like to see brandon bolden get more involved going how's rex doing this year and he is injured as <laughs> unfortunately I, I um i have to say as per usual almost but however he's he's not been on, it's weird because he's not been on the injury report for weeks but mm. he's just not playing like he was in our playoff run last season or what he was playing like um with you guys before we you know as to mm. a reason why our coaching staff looked at him and says yeah this is a guy we can utilize in our offense and I don't know why what's not clicking. Anytime he gets a rush, it's not really more than about four yards. And I, I, I would have to say that probably a lot of that stems down to our offensive line because it really has been terrible. But especially, I know it's a tough run of games up against the likes of the the Eagles, um, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs. That run we've just had is was our going to be our toughest run of the season. And but the line has just been pretty much woeful. Um, Newhouse 
wasn't great. He was getting progressively better, and then it just all fell apart against the the Eagles, pretty much. And Isaiah Wins come in, and myself and Nick discussed that there was too much pressure on the young man's shoulders. He was seen as the saviour of all, and you know that was what was going to kick us on. The running game was going to start um, getting better, and it just hasn't happened. Um, it didn't happen. It didn't help that. Ted Karras has gone out the centre and Ferenz has come in and, you know, he's not Karras, but Karras isn't Andrews and Andrews has been a huge loss the whole year mm. um, for us, unfortunately. And the right side of the line has just been like jelly on a plate almost. You can just shove it over mm-hmm. and it'll bounce back up, but you've gone by the person by that point, whether Shaq Mason's just not his usual self and Marcus Cannon's not been um, his usual self either. So it's... I'll be interested to see, hopefully this weekend, It's um, they might try different things, push Bolden more into the game or go two back sets and such like. And I think this is going to have to be a game that, and also the next three weeks is going to have to be games that experiment as to what we need to do when we do come up against the Chiefs or Ravens or whoever it might be in, mm. in the playoffs. Um, because right well, now they, we're in again, almost desperation mode. The Pats are very good at this, aren't they? They kind of have a little stumble through the regular season at some point, and then they get players back fit and healthy, and they suddenly take on a new intensity and cleverness in the playoffs. Obviously, Belichick, as I mentioned, is the master, and McDaniel's, you know, they're masters at, at scheme and scheming against. Uh, their opponents key weapons and we see it time and time again uh, so good at that um, but yeah so it'd be interesting this year because there's a few good teams about you know so the Ravens have come up out of more or less nowhere in terms of the level they're playing at they were always a, a tough sort of stoic team really quite dull you know but now they're exciting and uh, difficult to stop um, but you know, you look at the Chiefs. They were they're kind of this year. The Ravens are this year's Chiefs, basically. Everyone thinks mm-hmm. Super Bowl. But you look at what happened in the playoffs last year. You know, you found a way yeah. to beat them uh, when everyone thought that the Chiefs were going to kind of steamroll their way to to the Super Bowl. And who's to say that's not going to happen to the Ravens this year? You know, the Chiefs are still in it. Um, Watch out! I was talking to my co-host the other night. I said, "Watch out for the Titans this year. Um, they're they've got a, they're just coming into their own. Tannehill's playing out of his mind. Uh, Derek Henry is a beast. The defense is good. AJ Brown is good. So you know, team. You know, you always look out for a dark horse. And I do think the Titans might be that dark horse this year. Yeah, I've, I do yeah. like the Titans. They um they just always seem to they say about the Chargers being Chargers e <laughs> the Titans kind of do a similar thing you know they look good they beat us well and truly last season but then just didn't nothing else happened for them the rest of the year um for their sake I'd like I like to see a, a nice competitive league I don't really like to see anyone struggling whether it's yourselves or mm. Um, I do. I kind of like to see the Giants struggling, to be honest. Uh, and I'd like, I like seeing the Cowboys struggle. But in general, I think everybody likes seeing the Cowboys. So I'll add the yeah. Steelers to that list. But then the, I have to, I had do grudgingly um, 
give them a lot of credit this year because you know the way they've stuck at it and the way they've um you know battled away um, yeah they've drained that out quite a lot haven't they Mm, yeah and and uh, i think it's a test of tomlin's uh skill as a head coach which frankly was always called into question but i think he's done an outstanding job this year um you know he's getting every ounce of talent from that team at the moment and uh but yeah it's nice to see the browns not doing as well as everyone wanted them to or at least the, the media uh wanted them to or thought they would um and yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with with the with the Cowboys not doing very well either. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's again it's that sort of business end of the season, isn't it? And it's kind of um, goodness me, it was only three four years ago when we were in that mix, you know, and it was exciting and it was great that we were relevant in kind of January, uh, not for long, admittedly, but you know, just going into the playoffs was exciting, winning far more games than we were losing. Um, but it just shows you how it, you know, one little mistake in the draft or two little mistakes in the draft, or if you don't make a move when you need to, then it can very quickly fall apart. And that's what we've witnessed in the last three years. They have, uh, for a team that prides, prides itself on draft and develop, that's their approach. They're not big in free agency. They, they draft and develop. Um, we had a horrendous draft in 2016. We didn't have a great one in 2017. Uh, on paper right now, we've not had a great draft last year either. So, you know, when you have, when you're a draft and develop team, that margin for error gets very, very small. And uh, we found that, not hitting in the draft has really, really hurt us. And uh, so we're in full kind of rebuild. So it is quite interesting. It'll be quite interesting to see what Zach and his team do next year. Do you, does he rip the whole roster apart and start again? Does he draft a quarterback in the first round? Does he stick with Dalton and maybe sort of trade down for more picks? Who knows? It's going to be really, really interesting. Mm, I think so. And I was um, just about to ask your opinion on that um as well as what what do you think what would you like to see them do do you would you like to see them use that number one pick for a quarterback or would you like to see them trade down a few places and pick up some some more picks further down the the rounds as well because you can you know Mm. Uh, joe burrow seems to be playing lights out this year yeah yeah. can he continue in the nfl or were you quite happy well, it's if never guaranteed. It's never guaranteed, is it? I mean, no. Um, I think actually both arguments are very sound. I mean, if there weren't, I mean, you're obviously if you're picking number one, there's going to be a lot of holes on the roster and a lot of problems to fix. But if, for instance, they had their quarterback, then I would obviously say, look, you've got it you've got to get more picks to address the linebacking core, you know, pass rush, offensive line, whatever it might be. Um, but I think, you know, we've had Dalton for a decade. And as you say, he's not been the greatest, but he's not been the worst either. He's, you know, he's got to the Pro Bowl three times. He's led us to the playoffs 
kind of five times in a row. He's not had a bad NFL career at all. But uh, if you're picking number one and a quarterback is that number one pick, then you've got to go for it, right? It's just such an enticing, exciting prospect. And that's what Bengals fans need. They want some excitement. They want some a new uh, influx of energy and a new direction. And uh, I, I think you have to pick Borrow, really. I mean, whether he works out or not, the opportunity is just just too good to, to miss, I think, you know, because you might have your quarterback for the next decade right there. I mean, you might not, but, you you know, there's a there's a chance that you, you have. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's got to be Borrow, really. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, admittedly, I don't watch a lot, a lot of college football. I kind of tend to pick up on what everyone else is saying, to be honest. And mm. but the the bits I have seen from last year and this year is, um, I like Jake Fromm in in Georgia. I thought he was mm. um, someone that that I like the look of. And obviously, I watch um, Bama sometimes too. As obviously, I looking like he'll be an NFL quarterback, but unfortunately, he got injured. So how mm. far does that put him down? Um, the first round or even at the second or third does he slip that far it's going to be an interesting time um, for sure for all all concerned you know all 32 teams whether it's us or you guys and yeah absolutely um, everyone I'll, else in between really Matthew um, if if they are number one and they don't pick Joe Burrow um, there will be riots in the streets in Cincinnati I think yeah um um, even though, you know, it's a sound argument to trade down and accrue lots of picks. Um, you know, the fan, the fans just want a new start. They want to, they want to, they want to get rid of Dalton. Now's the right time to kind of move him on. He's mm-hmm. been good for us, but it's time to go on and really get that real game changing quarterback. Cause that's what Dalton isn't a real game changer. He's a really good game management. He's smart. And he plays with his limitations. He knows what he's good at. Um, but they want they want a real game breaker, and they think Burrow is it. And if they don't, and they if they if they decide to keep Dalton, for instance, because that's still an option, and trade down and do all this and all that again, a sound argument. Actually, I'm not. I personally, I wouldn't be super upset if they did that, because it's a logical, smart roster building move. But if they do pass up on Joe Burrow, there will be riots. Believe, believe me. Yeah, I could, I could quite imagine. And something I was actually, um, one more, one more question before I go, let you go, Paul. I was actually going to ask it at the top of the the show, but um, sure. how, why the the Bengals? How did that come about? Well, um, I've been supporting them for goodness me, thirty three years now. Is it? Yeah, 33 years. And um, so I joined a new school, like secondary school in the mid 80s. And um, I fell in with a new group of mates, as one does when they join a new secondary school. You know, it's a bigger world and more people and meet new people and all the rest of it. And these guys that I fell in uh, with were uh, all into the NFL. And if you put this into context the nfl was just starting to get a real cult audience over here because um 
85, the Bears won the Super Bowl and Channel 4 was showing highlights and you had William, the fridge, uh, the refrigerator, Perry, in the newspapers that for some reason the papers really kind of uh, locked onto him and became a bit of a media star over here. So the NFL was visible and, uh, you know, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, All my new mates were into it. And I found myself at playtimes chucking a ball around on the school field with those guys. And um, they all supported teams like the Raiders and the 49ers and the Dolphins, all these big market teams, you know, because it was in the era of your Dan Marinos and your Joe Montanas and, you know, uh, Marcus Allens and all this kind of these kind of guys. Um, But I thought, no, I need my own team here. So I started watching the. Uh, the NFL highlight show on Channel 4, and I just saw this uh, left-handed quarterback uh, who played for a team with, like, tiger stripes on their helmets, and they looked really cool, and he was chucking it about all over the place, and they looked like really good fun to watch. And 86, they, they finished 10-6, and six, so I thought, okay, they're good. Uh, they had a terrible season, the strike season in 87, but then... Obviously, 88, it all came together and I got to the Super Bowl. And I thought, wow, I've made the right choice, right? Um, and then um, and then it kind of, after a couple of years of that, kind of quickly went off a cliff. And the 90s were just like this black hole decade and tested your fan sh- fandom kind of to the limits. But, uh, yeah, but by that stage, I was hooked. And uh, you stick with your team through thick and thin. And... Um, yeah, so it was a combination of Boomer at quarterback, uh, Boomer Esiason, obviously, um, the tiger stripes on the helmets, and actually the word Cincinnati sounded very exotic to me. Um, so, yeah, a combination of all those things, really, and I've stuck with them ever since. I mean, obviously it's been hard going sometimes, but every now and again, mm-hmm. it's really good fun. Uh, I'm sure the hard times are going to come to myself and other Patriots fans um, at some point, very yeah. very soon. Be prepared, Matthew. Be and prepared. Yeah, well, I've, as I've said on this podcast before, um, growing up a Man United fan through the nineties, I've had it good for years until Fergie left, and then now he's left. I'm sitting where I expect the, door, the Patriots to be in about five years' time, once Brady and Belichick have long left the building and. It might not. McDaniel's might come in and be, yeah, he and might just be, keep it consistent. Know. But I, I'm setting myself. I'm preparing for what what's to come. And if it uh, if that's what's to happen, and it's you know we've got to take a bit of stick for a a while because we're now that team that have the you know the dynasty is long gone, and so be it. And but as you say, you stick through stick with your team through thick and thin, and that's Absolutely. just what it is, and that's how it's going to be. Absolutely. So, uh, um, Paul, thank you very much for your time um, and joining me on Patriots Nation UK. Just before I let you go, though, um, once again, just remind everyone where they can um, find you online and, and such like for banter over the coming weekend. Well, um, on I think Twitter's the most active place. We're Bengals UK on Facebook, but on Twitter we are uh, at Hooday underscore UK. Uh, so, yeah, we do something called an online tailgate every week before each game uh, where we ask Bengals fans to 
show us, send us photographs of what they're eating and drinking and wearing and preparing for the game. Um, so there'll be lots of activity on game day. And yeah, any Pats fans that want to come and uh, take pity on us, then uh, please do so. Yeah, it'd be good to hear from from anyone really. Yeah, well, I'll certainly join with and join in with that banter of the weekend. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, uh, I'll try my best. Uh, on for, uh, uh, the six o'clock games are a bit unfortunate for massage. I generally help the wife with the little one, try bath yeah. time and bedtime and such like. And these past few weeks, um, being in the nine twenty-five slot, have been more beneficial um, to right. myself in that aspect. But I think right. I'll try and clear the schedule this week because we're we've only got a few weeks left of the regular season, absolutely. so I'm sure she can it's the, it's manage for a little there. while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But well, thanks again, once again, Paul, um, for coming on, and I'd be more than happy to catch up next week and review the game if if time allows and if you want to. It's totally up to yourself. I understand if you yeah, don't, but if you do, and, then uh, obviously it's uh, coming up to busy party season but yeah just drop us a line and um, um, yeah we'll see what we can do well thanks again and we'll speak soon cheers Matthew thanks for having me on good to talk to you and how about them Bengals well as it has been covered in the interview there with Paul um, we are to rack up 50 or so points because we've been spying on calls and such like um, apparently and allegedly we, as you could hear we got into it a wee bit there and ultimately, it's, I don't think it's a new story, really. It's something that's a bit silly. They shouldn't have really, you know, why find yourself in that position? But I don't think there was any malice in it, really, overall. It was just an oversight that should have been looked into more closely and scrutinised more by the actual organisation to avoid these sort of things happening. So with that being said, on to this weekend with the Cincinnati Bengals and let's hope we can grind out a W, um, grind out a better performance as well as the W and kick on into the playoffs from, from here on out. Just before I go, it's just the usual rate, review and subscribe. Um, PatriotsNationUK.com is where you'll find the website. At Matt Inkster is myself, the host of Patriots Nation UK. Co-host Nick is at the underscore panic on Twitter. And of course, the show Twitter handle is Pat's Nation UK pod. Come on there, interact with us over the weekend and picked up some good ideas going forward, maybe from Paul himself as more ways to, to get interactive with you guys. Um, and be sure to check them out over the weekend and have a bit of bants as um, the game progresses at 6pm on Sunday evening. And until the new week, guys, um, when we'll break the game down, hopefully we'll get Paul on as well for that, time permitting and such like. But until then, guys, just remember, do your job as there are no days off.